This is exactly right. Welcome to my favorite murder, the mini sode. That's right. Or what? I don't know. We got to think of something. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> no. Uh, they know how it goes. Yeah. We read your emails. You sent them into us. You want us to read them. We agree. Yeah. We fucking. That's what a relationship. That's how relationships work. Give and take. We ask. You give. Thank you. Thank you. You want to go first this week? Oh, absolutely. Just, just for fun. I mean, I would fresh. love, love. Love to. <laughs> it's all I've ever wanted. This one is just hometown story. Hi, Karen and Georgia! Exclamation mark. I was listening to episode two sixty one where you mentioned Letter Kenny. Oh yeah, ever, the wonderful TV show. I'm from Listowel. I bet that's not how you Listowel. Listowel. <laughs> is it Listowel? It's definitely not Listowel. <laughs> Your top ten favorite towels of all time. <laughs> Uh, number 10, those really scratchy hotel ones that are overbleached. <laughs> oh, number those. nine, the ones that your aunt has that don't absorb anything. Oh, with Why the frills at like the that? end of it? Oh, that's number eight. My favorite thing when I go to estate sales is opening the, um, like fabric closet. That's not what it's called. You know, the like where, pan- uh, not the pantry. It's not the pantry. <laughs> no, the, li- the linen pantry? Linen closet. Thank you. Because it's like, it's always, you know, older people and it's just decades of no, we've never thrown away. And my grandma had one too. So like, I love it. And I love the smell. Yes. We've never thrown away sheets or towels. Towels through the years. It's a beautiful We used thing. to have my aunt Kathleen in the mid eighties turned my mom on to bath sheets. She was What's like, that? no, no, no. Bath sheets are like twice as big as a regular bath towel. Yeah. So those hard are the to ones handle. When you get out of the shower, you can wrap yourself like entirely. It's almost like a blanket, but a towel. That's number three on the top 10 <laughs> list towel list. Now back to list towel Canada. Here we go. <laughs> I was I'm from Listowel. <laughs> the town that Letter Kenny was based off of, uh, oh. from which the creator, Jared Kiso, hails. Friend of the friend of the family, friend of the family against his will, probably. <laughs> against Jacob Tierney is more of the actual friend, I believe. Okay, let me tell you, it's an embarrassingly accurate depiction of our tiny town, right down to the name of the bar, Modine's Roadhouse, and that's M O Dean Modine's Roadhouse, which I adore. Uh, which is basically our only bar in town and closed down a few years ago. Someone even made a replica of the Letterkenny logo and replaced our town sign with it for a while. <laughs> and again, shout That's out to awesome. our friend Neil Mahoney, who was obsessed with the show and even had a Letterkenny themed birthday party. That's right. Anyways, that's not what I want to talk about. Are you sure? I want to tell you about perhaps our most infamous crime, the murder of Jesse Keith. I remember hearing the story as a kid and thinking my older sister was just trying to scare me. But when she took me to visit Jesse Keith's grave, I realized it was true. Mm-hmm. I booted up our old Dell computer and waited for the dial-up to connect before doing some more research. Probably some five hours later, I had found all the information I needed. Jesse Keith was just 13 years old when on October 1894, her throat was slit, her body stripped, her, uh, her corpse mutilated. 
Oh, I know. The scene was so horrific that townsfolks thought Jack the Ripper had come to Canada and was on the loose in Ontario. Mm. Adrift. It's so crazy that that's how unfucking believable a crime like that was. That it's like, you, yeah, you're just trying to like, you can't wrap your head around it. Totally, it can't be anyone in your town. Like, exactly. It's so yeah. sad. Um, a drifter known as uh, Almide Chatel was accused shortly thereafter, as he had been spotted around the train tracks near her house that day. Almide was apprehended five days after Keith's murder and was found carrying a valise containing female undergarments. He confessed to the crime, but later recanted his statement. Nonetheless, he was found guilty and hanged on May 31st, 1895, making him the first man to be hanged in Perth County. Strangely, in 2011, while reconstructing the old jailhouse, his remains, along with those of the second man to be hanged in Perth County, were found uh, under the foundation. I guess they just left their bodies there and paved them over. After her death, Jesse's family had a large statue of a young girl with ruby eyes erected over her grave in our local cemetery. To this day, it remains the largest and, in my opinion, the most beautiful headstone in our cemetery, although the rubies were stolen years ago. The story of Jesse Keith has become something of folklore in our little town, used to scare kids into staying away from strangers, and visiting her grave has become a dare that angsty teenagers do for fun on Halloween, uh, hoping to catch a glimpse of Jesse's ghost dancing around her headstone. I hope sharing this with you all will bring her ancestors some peace in knowing that her tale is not forgotten. Stay sexy and pitter-patter, let's get at her, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which must be there, which must be Towel Town's uh, fucking battle cry. No, no, no. That's from Letterkenny. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> but maybe same thing. Kind of same, same. It is could what, be. Is yeah. what they're saying. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, I The way when you first said that a, a statue of a girl with ruby eyes yeah. seemed like something that would be quite haunting if it was still around, but especially in a cemetery. Yeah. But I love that sh- that Sam was like, I hope her ancestors find some solace. That's, that's sweet. Um, okay. Here's my first one. Um, <clears throat> this is the subject line is badass survivor story. Great. And it starts just like this. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I know, you, <laughs> you know, I wish everyone well. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, this, I sent this in a few months ago, but it was about 30 pages long. So I'm not surprised it wasn't read. Mm. Smart. Smart. However, it's a pretty amazing story. So here's the abridged version. I got sent home from campus in the fall due to COVID. Uh, Parentheses. I was fine. There were just a lot of cases. One night at the dinner table, my mom was telling stories to cheer me up. And she casually mentioned in between bites that someone was murdered in the house I grew up in. Um, (laughs) Mom. Anyway, of course, I immediately looked it up after dinner and I realized she got something wrong. It wasn't a murder story. It was a survivor story. Hmm. Susan Shoneman, uh, Shoneman was 19 years old in 1985, studying cosmetology while living in Savannah, Georgia. From a payphone a few blocks from her house, Susan called a bar she thought her sister Krista, who was visiting from Savannah, would be in. The bartender handed the phone to Krista, and at some point they got into an argument. Mm. During the call, a, a man asked Susan for directions to Bolton Street. In fuck politeness fashion, she said, I don't know, and continued with the call. However, the man came back with a gun and forced Susan to come with him. <sighs> Since they were in an argument, Krista just thought she hung up the phone. Oh. 
They made their way down West Gwinnett Street and ended up behind a gray clapboard row house, the house I would eventually grow up in. He punched her, shot her, raped her, and <gasps> left her naked in a crawl space of the house. <gasps> but Susan wasn't going to give up that easy. She mustered up enough strength to crawl out from under the house, climb over a four-foot wall, <gasps> and then walk up three flights of stairs to a neighboring apartment for help. After two and a half weeks in the hospital, she was released. Wow. To make an extremely long and extremely sad story short, there were no leads, so the investigation was closed administratively. Mm -mm. Susan eventually went back to cosmetology school in Savannah, and by 2001, she was a professional hairstylist married with two children. The day before she and her husband were going to sign a contract on a house in Atlanta, her mother called her crying. There was a serial rapist loosed in the area. She begged them not to move there. Mom, do you not get it? She responded. There are rapes occurring every single day. Ugh. I'm not going to allow another rapist to keep me from doing what I feel I'm supposed to do. Ugh. On the 30th anniversary of the attack, a community newspaper published an open letter that Susan wrote to her attacker. Quote, I have often wondered if I ever cross your mind. If you ever knew that I lived, survived your wrath that fateful night. Whether you do or not, I write this to inform you that not only did I physically survive you, I have overcome the hell and utter destruction you caused by the grace of God I lived to tell, unquote. Oh my God. Susan is now the director of the Piedmont Rape Crisis Center, where she answers several hundred calls a year from local women. Oh. Stay sexy. And if you're going to grow up in a crime scene, make sure it's one with a badass survivor. That's from Sheldon. Whose pronouns are she, her? That is incredible. It's not unbelievable. So empowering and beautiful. And it's very cool that that on the 30th anniversary that that paper published that open letter. Totally. That's really amazing. I think that's what a cool thing to have people be able to like make a statement like that or, you know, kind of make that show of empowerment. Beautiful. That's very, very cool. Very I'm not going to read you the title because it gives it all away. Uh, hi, Queens and Steven. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, let's get into it. You all have asked for stories on cocaine bathtubs and burning down the house before. And this story has it all. Wow. Long story short, my dad is one of my best friends, but he has undiagnosed ADD and gets distracted easily. He was cooking one afternoon about 20 years ago and got distracted by a movie on TV. Unfortunately, the stir fry oil ended up catching on fire and burning down our kitchen with the smoke going into the vents. What? Luckily, no one was hurt, but my dad ended up putting out putting it out with buckets of pool water, which is not recommended. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> we had to move into a rented house while our kitchen was being rebuilt and smoke cleared from the vents. My dad was in charge of finding the renovation crews. My dad found this sketchy European man we'll call Tony to do the countertop granite for an exceedingly reasonable price. <laughs> Always a red flag. Anyways, one day Tony broke a large piece of granite and my mom and him got into several phone arguments for a few days. The next week, my mom got a call into her supervisor's office. Did I mention my mom is one of the first female FBI agents? Oh, well, she is. And her supervisor wanted to know why she was making so many calls to one of the top cocaine smugglers from Europe. 
<laughs> That's right. You see, Tony's phones were tapped. And the reason the granite was so cheap is because that was clearly his side hustle, since he used the granite and marble to smuggle in the cocaine. Needless to say, that contract was quickly terminated. I can't believe my parents didn't get a divorce that year, but they're still together 35 years later. <laughs> Thanks again for being so open about mental health and women empowerment. Also, my mom and I have a complicated relationship because she's a big Trump supporter. But I like telling these stories of her past to remind me of how much of a badass she is. I've sent in previous stories about her. So hope they get read one day. Best C. Wow. I just like that. Um that person who's like has the, the the marble dealer uh who i guess that's the front front of his business or front whatever you call that that's mm -hmm. what he fronts with that he's doing business with fbi agents and doesn't know it yeah I yeah mean, how, <laughs> how good can he be great point i didn't think of that do a little research and then arguing with them about broken marble don't argue with an fbi agent just replace I mean. replace the marble or just casually ask when you're hanging out in the kitchen one day, like, hey, what do you do? You know, just get like, do a little recon. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not going to read you the subject line of this one. And just starts, hello, my favorite people. Hmm. I hail from Monroe County, Michigan, which is a bunch of nothing in between Detroit and Toledo. <laughs> There's a small city of Monroe at the center, but the rest of the county is quite rural. I was re-listening to Karen tell the horrible story of PSA Flight 1771 mm. and suddenly remembered that a plane crash definitely happened around here when I was very young. I headed straight to the Internet and got really sucked in and found out a bunch of stuff I never knew before. So here's the tragic story. Com Air Flight 3272 was headed from Cincinnati to Detroit on January 9th, 1997. This is typically a short, easy flight, probably around 45 minutes. Aboard the flight were three crew members and 26 passengers. The pilots were beginning to receive pre-landing instructions when the plane suddenly rolled 145 degrees to the left, then violently rolled back to the right, and then nosedived straight down into a rural field located between Monroe and the nearby town of Dundee. Aye. This crash site was a mere 18 miles from the Detroit Metro Airport, a.k.a. literal minutes from the flight's destination. Mm -hmm. The whole plane was obliterated by the impact, much like PSA 1771 was in your story. All 29 people on board died. Mm -hmm. I don't want to attempt to get technical, but basically weather conditions had caused ice to build up on the plane, which caused the engines to abruptly, abruptly stall mid-flight. Apparently, there was a de-icing mechanism, but these pilots had been wrongly instructed to wait until some ice built up before activating it. Mm. This next piece of information really blew my mind. Although only two of the passengers had actually been from here, all of the unidentified remains were buried at a memorial site in Monroe County's own Rose Lawn Cemetery. Finding this out was pretty crazy for me because this very cemetery literally bordered the property I grew up on and is where both of my parents are buried. I even found a local article from a few years ago about how fellow Comair pilots had traveled to Monroe to visit the memorial for the 20th anniversary of the mm. crash. And people leave roses at the memorial every single year on January 9th. Oh, and one last thing that May Day show Karen talked about totally did an episode on this, but I couldn't figure out a way to watch it. Sorry if this was too long. Never stop doing everything you do. You're amazing. Stay sexy and don't be afraid to fly. It's much safer now. Philip. Wow, Philip. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, also it's just really crazy because I think 
having it's so awful, obviously, mm-hmm. to have it happen, but to be in the town, j- just like thinking of the of the other side of it, where it's like a plane crashes in your town or totally. just outside of your town, and it's one of those things where like you get on a, you get on a quick flight and it feels you feel invincible. It's forty five minutes. It's not a big deal, and th- but you get on the long flights and you feel like it's scary, and it's just like you hate hearing those stories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they're not that common. I think that's that's the other reason that people, you know, want to tell a story like that is because they are they happen so rarely compared to how many flights happen. Totally. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into, whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve. The key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines. And June's journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. 
Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Um, all right. For my last story, remember how C, whose dad burned down the kitchen and hired a cocaine importer to renovate it, which was the title mm-hmm. of the last one, said, I also sent in some stories of my mom, who was the first FBI agent. Well, I looked it up and found one of those stories she had sent in in the past. Great. About it's her mom. show now. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So this one's from a while before, and it says, Hi, Karen, Georgia, Stephen, beloved animals and fellow murderinos. My name is Celeste. So C is Celeste. And I just started listening to my favorite murder this year. I'm so obsessed. I'm going back and catching up on all the past episodes. So if this is read, it may take some time, may take me some time to hear it. I'm a head and neck surgeon that specializes in facial plastics and reconstruction. I listen to this podcast on drives and while wearing headphones walking into the hospital. I often think that if the other doctors or patients knew what I was listening to, they'd be super freaked out. I have tons of crazy fucked up trauma stories, but that's for another time. Anyways, I wanted to write you about my badass mom. Her family is Lebanese that immigrated through Mexico, then to Texas. So she speaks English, Spanish and Arabic. She started working for the FBI as a clerk in the early 70s to put herself through college for a criminal justice degree. When she graduated in the late 70s, they just started allowing females to become FBI agents. Wow. Since my mom had worked there for several years and spoke those languages, she was recruited. I attached a photo of her training at Quantico, which we have. And Stephen, let's put it in the Instagram post. When she has a few glasses of wine, the murderino in me loves to get some of her stories sampled below. She told me about the time in the early 80s she was in Puerto Rico doing helicopter surveillance on FALN, a Puerto Rican terrorist group that had made several bombing attacks on the U.S. in the late 70s to mid 80s. I'd attach a link, but I know you all don't like those. We like them if you've told the story, but you can't use the link to tell the story, right? Yeah, link. Links aren't don't help in an email that we're reading. Right. <laughs> I feel like she's not saying Celeste. like, I'm not lying. Here's a link. Um, she and her fellow agents had made an arrest in the morning. Sure. Totally normal. When they were done, she and the pilot decided to tour around the island in the helicopter and she put on regular clothes. While in the air, they heard on the radio that there was a raid and a shootout. So the pilot quickly turned around to join the fray and my mom in her tank top and shorts pulled on a bulletproof vest and ended up jumping out of the helicopter and tackling one of the assailants to the ground like a freaking spider monkey. <laughs> uh, another time she told me about a drug bust in Miami. I like to think of her as uh, undercover in the movie Blow. 
when she found one of the drug lords in the ventilation system in only his underwear. He had uh, he had all that insulation and fiberglass sticking to his skin and was writhing around in the back seat of her squad car because he was itching so bad. I also remember that uh, the one time when I was in second grade, I missed the school bus and she had to take me in her undercover car, though I wasn't supposed to ever go in it. There was a giant shotgun attached to the inner roof of her car. <laughs> Again, totally normal. A few years later, she was in a car chase when she got T-boned by another car. She pulled the guy over and drew her weapon to get him out. But he turned out just to be a drunk, which she was naturally pissed about. Though she did more terrorist and drug cartel work, she was there when the behavioral science unit was really getting started at the FBI and remembers taking classes at Quantico about profiling serial killers. She loves mine hunters, but watching it for her is like me watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> that thing of like, I do this for a living and that's not how it works in, <laughs> in the OR, right. you know? You just want to ar- you just argue the whole thing. <laughs> Um, anyways, that's a sampling of tales I wanted to share with you all. I also wanted to say that my relationship with my mom is complicated and could be strained. I want to thank you both for taking for talking about your complex relationships with your mothers. I know how much my mom has done for me, but she's insanely stubborn. And I'm learning that I don't need to feel guilty for being frustrated or angry with her. For example, she's a Trump supporter. This podcast, my own therapy, and our mutual love of true crime has helped us bond because I ask her to tell me stories to write to you all, which she loves, rather than getting into more political arguments over the holidays. Stay sexy and don't get murdered, but do give your mom wine to spill her secrets. XOXO Celeste. All right, Celeste. Well done. Okay, cool. Here's my last story. Uh, all right. I won't read you the subject line. Um, hey guys, on a recent mini sode, you, uh, you guys said submission boxes never close. So I'm bringing my submission for times your parents almost killed you back up to the top of your inbox. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I would like to preface the story by saying my parents are incredible people. <laughs> you don't have to do that. They always are when they almost kill you. <laughs> yeah. Guess what? It, it's not going to matter when people judge them after whatever we're about to read. <laughs> Uh, my parents are incredible people and child neglect was never an issue growing up. That being said, here we go. <laughs> so this incident happened when I was only one years old. So I've only heard it retold, but it gets retold every three to five years. Uh, one year on family vacation, we vacationed near Lake Erie. And on one of the days we took a boat to Kelly's Island. Who was in charge of what kids who was in charge of what kids on this day is still pretty hotly debated. In Nobody was in charge of anybody. <laughs> I fucking right? promise you. Everyone was like real casual um, yeah. agreements the night before during on the eighth beer. Or so it was like it was the kids will take care of each out. other. Don't worry about it. Uh, but this story, I believe the most. My dad was supposedly in charge of all the older kids, toddler age and up. But my mom was in charge of me, who was only one a one-year-old baby at the time. Groups split up that day and my dad had the little ones and went to do, quote, age-appropriate activities. And my mom and her sisters found a winery on the island to get their, uh, to get their drink on. Yeah, they did in parentheses, baby me along for the ride. Um, the day went as planned and the groups met back up at the end of the day to catch the boat back to good old Ohio. On the walk back to the boat, 
Someone, parentheses, still unclear who initially said it, <laughs> said, where's Aaron? Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. And then in parentheses, it says, baby me. My uh, mom describes this moment almost in slow motion. She claims everything stopped as she looked around the group for me and realized I was nowhere to oh be found. God. And this is in all caps. She drunkenly left me at the winery. <laughs> I know it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> my mom then, quote, ran faster than she has ever ran in her life <laughs> fucking better back to the winery and which is hard to believe since she was plastered and found me sitting all caps outside the winery <gasps> in a puddle of mud <laughs> no <laughs> um, that's like a band the band apparently no drunk vacationers on the island that day found me worthy of kidnapping. <laughs> to this day, my parents still argue on who left me and also argue about who noticed I was missing. <laughs> Not the parents. <laughs> I personally believe that my seven-year-old brother at the time was the one that pointed out my absence, but who's to say? Anyway, uh, hope you found the story as funny as I still do. Stay sexy and don't leave your one-year-old at a winery. Aaron. P.S. Since the, this original email, my parents recently took a trip back to the island. They drunkenly took selfies next to some dirt outside the winery and sent them to me saying, this is where we almost lost you forever. <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like uh, that can't, that winery was like another baby was left. like that can't have been the first time. And here's where no. we ask for submissions of people who own and run wineries what's the craziest <laughs> thing you've ever seen well because also wineries are um a great way for alcoholics to pretend like yep. they're doing a uh they're doing an activity that isn't alcohol based Cultural. because it's about the winery and the tour and the oh, details of loving wine and but chase. it doesn't matter because like having grown up in wine country right um that's all when relatives come to visit that's all we used to do <laughs> and when i still drank by the end of the afternoon afternoon you'd start drinking like at one <sighs> and you would be fucking shit yeah based. no one spits that shit out no i remember of not like not that long ago after we had a show in san francisco and it was our last show at the tour and so vince and i like were like let's just go to like napa yeah for a couple days and we went into this one like wine tasting it wasn't even a winery and the chick we were trying wine and the chick was like she turned her back and gave us a taste, turned her back, turned around. I was like, wow, you guys are really drinking. The like she comments that we were fucking overdoing it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, fuck. She knew we were yeah. just there for the wine. I mean, there's those phonies, I'm sure, especially in Napa, who pretend like take little sips and smell it and do all oh, that shit. Where it's just in like, a spittoon. Look, we're not here for that. We've all watched Sideways. We know the f with our friend Paul Giamatti, <laughs> friend of the with, family. With friend of the family, uh, close friend of the family, Paul yeah. Giamatti. And if you don't believe us. Stellar performance. Have you listened to the S Stay Sexy and Don't Get Murdered uh, audiobook? He lends his beautiful voice. Yes, you can. If you like Sideways, you'll love our book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you thing. for sending in those stories that that was an amazing batch yeah you guys really know how to do it keep it um, going yeah thank you so much yeah uh if you want to send your story in you can at, write write us that's right. at my favorite murder at gmail that's right or you can org i don't know why you submit it on the website rather than gmail but you can if you want if you don't have access oh, is it on the, you're supposed to go to the website no no there's also like a submission page this is right? usually your line I don't do it. I don't ever say this line. 
Steven, is there a... <laughs> well, I think it gets directly, like, it gets forwarded from, at least my understanding is it gets forwarded from the website to the email. Right. So if you're, like, in Antarctica in a fucking, like, bunker and you can't, for some reason, don't have access to, to email, you can just... <laughs> Go to our website. My favorite murder at Gmail. Please send your stories in. Please. (laughs) Let's end it on a somber note. (laughs) Look, if you are in Antarctica, we're sorry. We are. Clearly, you did something bad. We we hope you're okay. (laughs) Did you get sent there? (laughs) Are you you on the CB radio? Are you studying aliens and you can't tell anybody about it? You can send us an anonymous email and say, don't read this on the podcast and just tell us the truth about aliens. You're like, we have drilled down, down to the polar core Uh or whatever it would be called. That sounds right. We've drilled down to cores, uh, unfrozen cores. (laughs) No, they would still be frozen. Sure, sure, sure. Super frozen permafrost. Permafrost. We drilled drilled through the permafrost. Mm. We found the aliens. Mm. Don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Yeah. That's actually the only email I want about aliens. (laughs) Please stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, do you want a cookie?